The entire team at Emsolation want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We want to recognise that we are recording and telling our stories on the stolen land of our country's first storytellers. We wish to pay our respects to all Wurundjeri elders and ancestors and to extend that respect to any First Nations peoples who listen to Emsolation. We recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's continued connection to the land and waters of this country and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Well, hey there. Welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain, and together with my best friend since I was 11, Mr Michael Lucas, who's a screenwriter an Actor Award winner, a Logie Award winner, I bring you this podcast. Welcome to part two of my chat with mindset coach Ben Crow. Now, I want to make sure that you've listened to part one. Please go back if you have not. There's a lot of stuff in there that will be very helpful to you and also, you know, this episode will mean more if you've listened to part one. So go and listen to that first. What we're about to get into now is your questions for Ben now, I want to remind you that Ben is one of Australia's most in-demand professional mentors and leadership coaches. He has worked with everyone, athletes, CEOs, coaches, teams. He helps people with their mindset and helps them find a balance between confidence and happiness, achievement, fulfilment. He helps you find your purpose, which is huge because so many of us lose it along the way. And Ben has a really quick, succinct way of helping everybody kind of put their glasses back on, refocus, recalibrate. And that's what he certainly did for me. This is part two. As I said, your questions are coming at us. He, this is, he's a delight. The full video will be available for patrons. I can't wait for you to get into it. So I'm going to shut up and get into it right now. Please enjoy my chat, part two of my chat with Ben Crow. <laughs> Ben Crow Mindset Coach is joining us to answer some of your questions. This is very special, I have to say, because, yeah. you you know, you're not exactly easily accessible except <laughs> if someone ghosts you via DMs on Instagram because <laughs> she's feeling vulnerable. And then comes back a year later <laughs> and then I'm reaching out to you. So that's all right. All but good. look where we are now. Totally right. We're yes. meant to be. Things happen for a reason, Em. What a partnership. Yeah. Here we go. Emsolator Kayla. Hi, everyone. Uh, my question for Mojo Crow is um, about around resilience. Um, in particular, um, I am someone who tends to also feel everything at a thousand um, and to the point where I can't function without venting, whinging, being negative about the thing. Um, and then it's a pile on and a spiral and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, how do we, how do we infiltrate that behavior and that thinking of just constantly feeling personally attacked by everything or just having the resilience to actually not be affected so drastically by any kind of minute thing um thanks just a light one yeah, i was gonna <laughs> say thanks for that one em nice easy one to start i off love with. that one though that's pretty powerful yeah um so clearly she's not owning her story she's not being kind to herself like she's been really really hard on herself and um, if we don't accept our imperfections, if we can't just wrestle with that I am enoughness side of things, 
um, we'll just get further and further away from who we actually are, from our authenticity. And the mm. first thing we do is we go into denial. So we make excuses or we rationalise and Got so it. forth. But the second thing we do is what she's doing is we criticise others or blame others or judge is others. Is that a or, deflection? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a transference. We want to transfer that pain out of ourselves onto someone else, right? Once that doesn't work and it never works, then we can get into addictive behaviours because mm-hmm. now I want to numb that feeling that I feel like a piece of shit. And you can be addicted so to keeping true. busy, exercise, drugs, sex, whatever, shopping. And it's not the activity we're addicted to. It's the feeling that it gives us that, that it numbs that feeling. So the first step is to bring it back and being kinder and com- more compassionate to herself in that particular moment and accept herself that she's imperfect but she's doing the best job that she could. In that case, she could find, maybe give herself a courage mantra. Along that, it's like, you know, screw it, I'm a good person, I'm doing the best job that I can. And that self-compassion can cut yourself some slack mm. and, and start to own that and own her story rather than letting her story getting be told by the conditions of her life and just getting frustrated and, and losing mm. control by criticising and blaming and, and getting shitty accordingly. So I think it's a good, for me, the handbrake when that, it, it's like, it's, I like to, when I start seeing myself, you know, really spiralling and being really touchy and sensitive to things and judging other people, I handbrake straight away and I have my mantra is what's going on for me. That's what I just say straight away. Yeah. So I'll be like, ah, oh, I'll feel myself getting a bit snitchy and then my handbrake, but what's going on for me? What's this really about? Yeah. So I find for mm. me the courage mantra is more, I need more a circuit breaker mantra, which is my what's going on for me. Yep. And often when I get really upset from criticism, I also ask myself that question, why has this person saying, for instance, someone last week accused me of not writing my own jokes? And that really wormed its way into my soul. Yep. Like 24 hours is all I could think about. And then I stopped and I thought, why has that affected me so much? Totally. And then, you know, we, we roll back. We roll back and it's that whole imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. They must think my jokes are too good for me to have written them because I'm a shit person. And then once I got there, I was at the sting all went. So you're talking about a moment of like self-awareness, mm. right? So I feel like Kayla needs that. Yeah, the, the courage mantra, the, the, yeah. the so stopgap. So the way for Kayla to do that, so in any conditions of our lives, in any situations, we tell ourselves one of two stories. Mm. And this is, I think, the fourth exercise in the course. For me, one of the most powerful, though. We either say, I'm enough or I'm not enough, or I've got this or I haven't got this. And yes. it happens in a blink of an eye. It does. We don't even realise it's happening, mm. right? And it might have happened when I came and sat down in this room today, right? Now, if we tell ourselves that second story, that I'm not enough, we effectively create what we call a vertical relationship between mm-hmm. ourselves and the other people or the other and we're all doing this. Yeah. Everywhere we go, we're creating these vertical relationships where we either put ourselves below others, yeah. at its extreme as an inferiority complex, or we put ourselves above, above others. Yeah. Superiority complex, right? It comes from the same place. Yeah. But you know, I'm not enough. And now the antidote is to create horizontal. Horizontal Go out, go out, go out, go out. Lateral. Yeah. When La- you create a horizontal relationship yes. with your kids or your colleagues or whatever, yeah. you are enough. But so are they. Everyone's Everybody's equal. enough. Billionaires to baristas, right? Yeah. And the way to do that is to create a courage mantra. And the way to create a courage mantra is for Kayla to ask herself two questions. The first one is, how do I show up when I'm nervous or anxious? Do I go to silence or violence? Love like that. Fight or flight? Yeah. Right? Do my cheeks go all red and I hope no one asks me a question? Or do I go the other way? I get angry or aggressive? I'm a heady right? mix of both, as yeah. we know. Well, in different <laughs> conditions, we show up differently. Yeah. Often in the work, we might go to silence. At yeah. home, we go to violence. So yeah. The second question is, well, when does it happen? Yes. Right? Is it when I walk in a room, I feel like I'm being judged? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I feel like I'm being attacked? When I feel like I'm being othered in your situation. So we identify the certain conditions when we tell ourselves a the certain story points, yeah. when we go tall or small. And For so me, it's when I feel like someone thinks I'm not intelligent or yeah. they have to over-explain. If my husband tries to explain something I already know, I go to a thousand. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So we're all different, right? Yeah. In different conditions, certain situations, have we tell ourselves a certain story. Mm. So the, good, the So you answer those first two questions, right? You do the self-analysis. 
The third one's the fun bit, right? This is where you get to create a courage mantra. What could I say to myself the mm. next time that shit happens? Yeah. To enable to own my story uncondi- yep. and go tall, not small. I love that. And this is where you create a courage mantra, which yep. could be as simple as I'm imperfect, but I'm worthy. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm a warrior. That's really eloquent. Mine would be more stop it, bitch. You're being a mom. Well, you've got three or four that yeah, you I do. identified. I've, I, I loved your courage Mine are all sweary, though. I mean, you know not me. All, not all of them. What are some of your courage mantras? Okay. This is what I say to myself. All I can control here is who I am in the here and now. I'm going to kick go. it in the dick. <laughs> Fuck it. You've got it. Let's get it. They don't know me. There you go. There's five different mantras you got to mantras. choose from. They yeah. sound like me. They're very on brand. Alternatively, <laughs> Kayla could simply say, I am enough or yeah. I've got nah, this. Nah, that's too or, fluffy. You know, but, but anyway, we've got to use our own vernacular. I love our it. Own, our own language. So. All right, here we go. Abby. Hi, Ben. I'm an English teacher who's really wanting to implement some of your ideas of play and storytelling into my lessons. I was just wondering if you have any advice on how to encourage some vulnerability and self-confidence in young people today. Thank you. I love that a teacher, this makes me teary. We need our educators and the fact that one has reached out because she cares about her students. 100%. Please answer this because I have teenagers and, yep, go. Well, the simplest way is socialise the terms, right? Vulnerability, what the hell does that even mean, right? So yes. maybe break it break it down into certain, let's say it's to me more open or open-minded or curious, right? Mm. Um, maybe it means to lean into risk or uncertainty or emotional exposure. Maybe it's back to courage, yeah. So Could you do some to, of your exercises with the kids? 100%, yeah. So, you know, I've told this story before, but I uh, gave a talk to like 600 teenage girls. Well, Aged, you know. Um, That's a Thunderdome, man. 12 to 16. <laughs> yeah, this was back in 2019. Right? And um, I just wanted to teach them two things. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to tattoo I am enough on, mm-hmm. on their soul and I just wanted to be able to, to draw down on a set of words they're getting nervous before a race or an exam or, you know, they could draw down on to mm. stay focused. Just in life being a 16-year-old girl. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So these are two simple exercises in the course, right? So getting back to putting this into the education system, yes. controllables and uncontrollables, right? Um, and then I um, and then I went overseas. This was 2019, just before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I was walking down to Ash Barty's second round game with her brilliantly humble coach, Craig Tizer. And you know when the phone rings? You, you love Craig. I You've do. got such a bromance with him. I love well, it. Well, I love anyone who's incredibly humble yeah. and caring, right? And Craig Tizer, people don't understand just how courageous and brave he is, but how humble he is. Anyway, so I was walking down to the second round match and – the phone rang. I didn't answer it. And it's one of my life regrets because it was the vice principal of the school crying into the phone about a mum who'd been in her office crying about her daughter who'd been in and out of clinics, um, just happened to go to school that day. And she came home. She said to your mum, her mum, she goes, mum, do you know that I am enough? Aww. And her mum's cooking distraction. She goes, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, do you know that I am enough? And her mum goes, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, this is guy at school today talking about <gasps> Steph Gilmore and Ash Barty and... So I I just realised I've been comparing myself to, you know, Millie and Annie and Lucy and and I don't want to do that anymore. It makes me feel like shit. I don't want to compare myself. And I just realised that, screw it, I I am enough, right? Well, the mum dropped her plate, turned around, you know, tears streaming. She goes, that's what I've been trying to tell you. And kind of gave me that sense of encouragement that this, you know, these principles can kind of be pushed down and taught to kind of everyone, especially in the education system. Because if I believe that my self-worth is predicated on comparing myself and in the A-team or the D-team or, mm. you know, the ATARs and the gradings and the bell curves, I'm going to constantly be comparing myself. And this mm. is this is before social media, right? So the goal is to kind of 
work out the human that I want to be, show up from that place. So the simple exercise to tell the kids, right, I forget all the doing and what you want to do with your life. What kind of human do you want to be? Just identify three to five words or, you know, identify the earliest, happiest memory, which could be pretty, you know, depending on how, how old they are. But I remember when you, I did that exercise with you, Am, mm. that was an incredibly emotional moment and story that you told me with your... My n- nana your accidentally nana. blowing her eyebrows off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But yeah. what was amazing, right, when I asked you what were the words... You know, how did that little girl, that, that young M feel in that moment? From memory, the five words that you called out was obviously happy because mm-hmm. it was a happy memory. You're mm-hmm. also free or carefree. Mm-hmm. You called out excited or adventurous. You called out safe. And I think you called out loved. Yeah. Right. And that, that's amazing because all five words, I've done that exercise like thousands of times, those same five territories keep showing up in different ways. Really? I, I got asked recently overseas, why do they keep showing up? And I go, I don't know, it's above my pay grade, but... Maybe, just maybe at its core, that's who we all are. Like, 100%. We're, we're happy. We're excited. Yeah. We're, you know, we're, that's we're how we all start life. out. Yeah. When we're kids, we learn the other shit. As an adult, we get weighed down by it. But you get a group of two-year-olds together who, you know, have had a decent first two years. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. What happens is over time, that not enoughness story through mm. comparing or mm. judging or, you know, external conditions... Mm you start to tell yourself a different story, mm. a different narrative. So imagine if we could give kids the, the armour to deflect that stuff. Correct. In school early. Yeah. They're redefining Good. success from that perspective. Yes. But just finding ways. You know, people say to me, what's, what's one thing I can do to practice vulnerability? And I say, well, okay, well, maybe go home tonight and ask your kids, you know, what's one thing I can do to be a better dad? Or a better mum. Or ask your, you know, ask, ask your spouse. Be careful what you wish for. I'm not asking my spouse, <laughs> but I would ask my kids and I would be, that's super confronting, Ben. Not much scares me. Yeah. But the idea of doing that, especially with Marcella, my eldest, all right, I'm going to do that. It's the most incredible question you can ever ask someone. What's the one thing I can do to be a better friend or a better you sister? You have to be fucking brave brother. to ask that question, mate. It's so simple though. Uh, you start practicing that and you listen, you wait for the answer, mm. right? But it creates a conversation, mm. a dialogue. You take off the armor and you find the story behind the story that makes a connection on a human level, right? Not on a kind of transactional level. Mm. You teach those principles in at, at, as young as you possibly can. You redefine success from the intrinsic point of view. Yeah. These people don't feel like they have to do something or achieve something or compare themselves and so forth. And from a parental point of view, certainly from a teaching point of view, you encourage the intrinsic side of things rather than, you know, well done, you got an A or well done, you're in the A team. What about just well done when you got up off the ground and encouraged your teammate or, you know, well done when you fell down or well done when you made a mistake, we had the curiosity to try and fix itself. So you want to redefine success from these intrinsic side of things where getting out of your comfort zone or helping others or Mm. finding purpose in your work or, you know, relationships, memories, experiences, this shit's intrinsic and so powerful. And we get them young because they're heading out into a world where win, win, win at all costs. And that was why it was so powerful with Ash after she started working with you and she did the press conference and I think, you know, she really ascertained my win isn't me. Yeah. I am me regardless of how well I do in this competition. I'm I'm a decent human. Like it yeah. it actually mm. went I remember I think she's something like it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And everyone's which, which which tournament was that? Cuz I remember everyone was like what do you fucking mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was one of the massive ones. And she was like there was such a shift between her working with you and I could I sense other athletes were watching her going what is going on? But then she played the best tennis of her fucking life. Yeah. yeah Why yeah. did Ash play the best tennis of her life when she stopped caring about tennis? 
Oh, she was able to play without consequence rather than with consequence. So she could lighten up rather than tighten up. But she could separate her self-worth from whether she wins or loses a game, right? So when you separate the person from the persona, Mm. the human being from the human doing, Mm. so you don't attach that self-worth, you lose any kind of fear of failure. Well, you're at your most powerful when you don't care, right? Yeah, yeah. You can just go in all guns blazing. Don't get me wrong. She had goals and dreams and she chased them down as hard as she could. She got them. But she just didn't determine her self-worth. Yeah. And whether she got there or not, because she couldn't control any of that shit. But I love she, it. The human she wanted to be, she can control that. So that was you. That was you. That was you. No, by the you way, you must that, watch that press. That was ben. all Ash. And by the way, it was all you as well. All I do is put a mirror up. People have no, to want to go on that journey. It's more than a mirror. You unlock. No, because no, because you could go to anyone. The, can I apply some of your own medicine to you, please, <laughs> sir? Dude, I get more out of this than than I my could not do. have done that. Without your particular set of skills, you sound like Liam Neeson in Taken. Um, and Ash could not have improved her game. Like it's a team effort. You must see well, that. Yes, and well, they're definitely a team effort, and that's something I would definitely because no what? one in this world can do anything as well no. on their own. So no, you were yeah. instrumental. All right, Mel. Hey, Em and Ben, it's Mel here, and I have a question that I'm hoping both of you can chime in on. Em, one of the things I've always really admired about you is how you can just keep putting yourself out there and showing up as your true authentic self in all your glory, um, even when there's backlash, even when there's criticism and and all that kind of thing. And uh, that's something that I really struggle with. Uh, I have a business that requires me to put myself out there on social media and, and all that jazz. And I know I'm good at what I do. I know I've got a unique perspective and I know I've got a really unique and fun way of sharing it, like a needy performer at heart as well here. But I just have really big hang-ups about visibility and putting myself out there. It's like I, I can do it for a little bit, but then I just want to go and hide in my cave. And I don't know, I just love to hear from both of you. Like, what can I do or how do you how do you keep putting yourself out there and, and showing up? And, and how do you start to get over those hang-ups of, of, I guess, yeah, doing that consistently, putting yourself out there, being seen as you and your true self? I'd love to hear any thoughts you have around that. Thanks so much, guys. Love the podcast. Love everything you do. Talk soon. Wow, great question. Do you want to go first? Yeah, mine's simple and it's something you really helped me with. I was already kind of practising it, but you kind of confirmed. Anytime I put something out, if I know I've showed up as my full self, the best I can, my heart's in the right place, my mind's in the right place, and I've checked with the people I care about, my moral compasses, if I put that out there and I still cop criticism, backlash, I'm kind of Teflon to it mm. because I really couldn't have done any more than what I did. Mm. So for me, that's the golden rule. If I'm about to put something out there, does it tick all the boxes and that it aligns with everything that I believe in and I've checked it and, it, and it's my whole true self, yes, 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 I'm bulletproof. Yeah. I think my answer is pretty similar to yours. Yeah. Um, She's caring more about what others think about her rather than what she thinks about herself. Mm. So learning to separate those two. And there's two mantras eventually our clients get to. The first one is, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. It's what I think about myself that matters. Mm. Then you can say the second one, which is, I don't care what anyone thinks about me, but I care about them. Because when you can say that, you're totally empowered, right? But until you can say that, you lose your power because she's caring what others think about her rather than what she thinks about herself. So learning to love herself and celebrate herself, but also realise that part of her growth is putting herself out of the comfort zone and putting these thoughts and dreams out in the universe or ideas, whether, you know, in terms of her business growth, 
So for, to know that by virtue of doing that, she's going to put herself in uncomfortable situations for the first time. She's going to get it wrong. She's going to make mistakes. And that's totally okay. And own them. Speak them. Yeah, be I, vulnerable. I'm imperfect. This is what I've yeah. learned. Totally. Because it gives people permission to cut you slack. Yeah. If you cut yourself slack, they will then in turn cut you slack. Totally. And I've learned that. You diffuse it and disarm straight away. Everyone feels relaxed because like, yeah. oh, no, she realises she fucked up. I can just like, I don't have to like stand here and shout. Correct. Yeah. She can't control what others think about her. No. But she can control what she thinks about herself. And check in, back yourself. Like when she's about to put something out, she just needs to say, do I love this? Do totally. I believe this? Totally. Totally. Does this make me feel good? You love Finding yourself, finding your true self is an act of love expressing it is an act of rebellion. Oh, my God. It's so fucking true. And that's what I said to you. The most punk thing I do is just being out there as an autistic, neurodivergent, daughter of an immigrant Correct. woman with in her 40s. Correct. That's punk. Correct. But once you realise it's rebellious... Totally. ...because you're going against the grain of what others expect of you or, you know, what your parents expected of you or what your society expected of you, so... I'm refusing to absorb negative shit. You know, yeah. I think women in my in sports and entertainment in our industry, women are expected to walk past and absorb incorrect narratives about them because they're just lucky to be there. Yeah, right. Any woman, say like an Abby Chatfield or me to a certain extent, Clem Bastel, there are a lot of women out there who are refusing to absorb and accept the narrative that women should keep their head down, and be polite and pretty and calm and peacekeepers. That is fucking badass. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, and that quote was sent to me from Stephanie Gilmore. Say it again. Say the quote again. Oh my God, I am Brene Brown. <laughs> Go. Finding your true self is an act of love. Mm-hmm. Expressing it is an act of rebellion, because you have to you have to call bullshit on what everyone is love expected it. of you. There's a beautiful book by Bronnie Ware, who is an Australian female hospice nurse. Oh. And she wrote a book on people who are on their deathbed. Yes, and their regrets. Correct. I read an article the five, about this. The oh. five deathbed regrets mm. of the dying. And, you know, interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people. And the number one deathbed regret is, I wish I'd lived a life true to myself <sighs> rather than the expectations of others. So you work out who you are. Mate. You love that unconditionally. You know what your story is. You then share your story. You don't give a fuck what others... You're going to have critics. You're going to get it wrong. Mm. But you put yourself... And then life just becomes this beautiful adventure, this experiment, this hero's journey where you're allowed to screw it up, you're allowed to be imperfect, and that's totally okay. Mm. And you are talking to a lot of people who are drowning under the weight of expectations. 100%. A lot of my listeners are mothers, businesswomen, and um, they put themselves last. If it's one word, Em, that I would love to strip out of the Oxford Dictionary forever. Should. One word. Should. No, what? expectations. Because oh. when you and I were growing up in Bayswater, I grew up in Nunawad. Dymo. Dymo. Um, expectations used to be defined as something you can control 100%. Yeah. You can't expect something you can't control. Right? Yeah, you can right. want it, but you can't expect it. But today, because we're obsessed with what others think about us, we're obsessed by results. Well, also because we're exposed to what other people think about us all the time now, you know. I get feedback straight away in the thousands when I do something. Yeah. Expectations now has loosely been defined as something we can't control but still expect it, mm. which is the definition of anxiety, Fucking or stress or pressure. So that oh, word, God. I used to say it's killing performances. It's literally killing the world. It's killing people. And there's two, expectations of outcome, the future, which mm. you can't control, right? No one can. Mm. And the other one is expectations of others. Yeah. Right. So you have to 
get those two the hell out of your psychology, like separate them, accept them and let them go and replace them with accepting uncontrollables and accepting yourself. And that second one is, is harder, but the most transformational. Mm. Just accept yourself unconditionally. Screw it. This is who I am. I love it's that. the cards I've been dealt. So get to that place. Then that person can put these statements, these goals, these messages out in the world. And, she, and if she gets criticised, it doesn't matter. You could argue it's part of the journey. Because she's also coming in like rock steady on herself, which is what you've said. Yeah. I think love it was that. Winston Churchill who said, if you ever get criticised, that's a good thing. It means at some stage in your life you've stood up for what you believe in. <laughs> Chance the consequences. Yeah, and if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Totally. It's a quote from Hamilton, so we're both quoting important men. <laughs> I love Hamilton. <laughs> Me love too. Hamilton. All right, here we go. Lisa. G'day, guys. Lisa here. Um, so my issue is when I get really angry, uh, it comes out in the form of me looking like a blubbering idiot. So I cry and I have to, you know, then verbalise, I'm not sad, I'm just really, really angry and <laughs> I can't calm myself to think straight and say the things that I need to say. So any tips for me to to get me into that state where I can articulate how I'm feeling um, and try and get past the tears, that is boiling rage, uh, would be really helpful. Thanks, guys. Have a great Christmas. Wow. <clears throat> Beautiful. Well, I mean, I'd... Do you sit close to tears all the time? I do. Yeah. Yeah, me and you are very kindred spirits in that sense. When I'm run down, me I too. find myself crying a lot. I yeah. could cry right now just looking at you. <laughs> I do have that impact. We could make each other cry Good a lot. head for radio, you reckon? No. Yeah. I, could make, I've made, I could make you cry. You can make me cry because we both sit very close to the surface and I suggest Lisa sits close to the surface yeah, too. Yeah. What do you do for Emotional yourself? beings. One thing I'd say to Lisa in that, in that situation, and this is not mindset, this is breathing. Oh. Yeah. I, the first thing I said is... Start breathing through your diaphragm because mm-hmm. as babies, we breathe through our diaphragm. But when we get pimples as teenagers, we start to breathe through our, our lungs and we start to get serious and tighten up and so forth. We've lost the art of breathing as, as a human race. So, but breathing, belly breathing or Do box breathing. Do you love Wim Hof? Wim Hof, so yeah, yeah, and yeah. What a guy. The, the, yeah, the ice bath. I want to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Do you have cold showers? Of course. I've just put in, we're building a plunge pool in the backyard as no, you I, and I speak. There you go. I'm obsessed. It increases dopamine by 250 Percent. Yeah. And back in the day, they used to put hysterical women in cold baths to stop them being hysterical. So you going in an ice bath means you'll no longer have to go on radio, on media, on, on Idol and all these sure. things. And <laughs> skydiving for your dopamine hit. If only you discovered Wim If Hoff only I'd have known Wim Hof. I'm ago, just yeah. obsessed with him, though, as a human. Good looking rooster with Fuck a beard. man, like, <laughs> woo! Modern day Tarzan. That's funny. He's great. Have you met him? I haven't, no. Oh. I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I was so expecting you to say that. <laughs> I was going to like, give me his phone number right now. I've got I, a lot of man crushes, but he's not He's not one of them. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, back to the Don't, question. Yeah, so, Le- I think, so Lisa, she gets angry and her instant reaction is crying. Yeah, the first thing I say is, is just start taking some deep breaths. Okay. You do it now, right? Yeah. It's called box breathing. And you can Google it. It's pretty simple. You just breathe. But you breathe through the diaphragm out. You breathe in with your diaphragm expanding for four seconds. One, two three, four, and then hold it, one, two, three, four, and then exhale, one, two, three, four, mm. and hold it, one, two, three, four. Just do that once. But you oh, can I just do it got a little times. rush in my body. It's the quickest mind hack. I just hack. did. What just happened? What's well, the quickest mind hack to tell the brain that everything's going to be okay? And I also think the person you're angry with will 
maybe think that you've lost your mind slightly, which gives you the upper hand in the situation. Well, it stops that cortisol. That's what's happening, that fear hormone. Is that what that was, the cortisol leaving my body? Yeah. That felt good. And it kind of replaces it with an element of, you know, dopamine. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. How am I going to get through this? Curiosity kind of thing. So the the simple act of belly breathing. So get in your body. Yeah. So when you feel like your mind's taking control, get in your body. Yeah. So a form of Buddhism, right? You think about the laughing Buddha. If you're about to be attacked by a tiger or a shark... You're not going to be in this relaxed, laughing Buddha state. You're going to be in your lungs in that fight or flight kind of cortisol space. Mm. So the belly breathing is just a quick mm. kind of, you know, um, way to tell the brain everything's going to be okay. Swim away from the shark first, then breathe. Totally right, yeah. Sorry. Then have, <laughs> yeah. These, have these mantras or whatever kind but of it's reframe. But same, same as we said before, it's that, it's the handbrake in the moment. It's the, oh, God, I feel the tears coming. Okay, wait, I'm going to stop. Yep. I love that. Yeah. And then maybe some other, like this too shall pass. Right? You will get through this moment. Mm. Right? Some other mantras, and it all, yeah, it's my decisions, not the conditions that determines my attitude. And once you realise she's got the power to choose, right, rather than choose to be angry or choose to be upset, choose to be emotional, she can choose to be calm or present or, or patient or she, playful. She can also voice, I'm probably going to cry because when I get angry, I cry. I find that also helps people. You know, just like literally being vulnerable, being honest, that's also can be a little bit of a pressure release when you say something quite ridiculous. Yep. So just, I just want you to know I'm really angry with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to cry. And if someone, it, it can diffuse things, I find. I verbalise everything because that's just the way my brain's wired. Yeah. But in those moments, when I've done that before when someone says something really awful and I said, look, there are tears coming down my face, but I would stab you with a blunt spoon if I had the opportunity right now. <laughs> and the person looks at you and they laugh, even though you're serious, they don't know that. Yeah. So it sounds like if you give yourself permission to voice stuff out loud, it, it shows the person you're dealing with that you're human. It reminds them. Yep. You know, like... Yeah, know. totally. You're the expert. The other thing she could apply is a generous assumption. Oh, your generous assumptions give... Like, I get mad at you. Why? Because you assume everyone's coming from a good place. What if they're just... What if they're just evil? Yeah, but it just starts the process of rather than judging so and comparing well balanced. and so like, forth. Like, you remind me so much of my husband. This is not great. Like, acceptance <laughs> is an advocate of responsibility. You're like, you're like, oh, if someone cuts you I laughed at you so hard. You're in a podcast because I, when I interview people, I don't read anything. I go and listen to 10 podcasts that they're on. Like, I absorb you. I take you in. Like, I take you into my soul. Like, like on Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. That's how I like to interview people because yeah, yeah. I can read shit about you, but it's, there's no soul in the reading. I want to yeah. hear your voice and I want to yeah. learn you, learn your mannerisms. And you gave such a fucking insight. That's like, I know that you're my people. Your example is <laughs> if someone cuts you off in traffic, your instant reaction is, oh, what a fucking asshole. I hope they die. Right? And it was so fucking intense. And I was just laughing going, oh, my God. Okay, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Ben. Sure, mate. I just like, I knew that was in him. I knew that was in him. And, and then you quickly flip it and you're like, but, you know, make a generous assumption. Maybe his wife's in labour and he's on his way to the hospital, you know? Um, did I actually say this? Yeah, you yeah. did. It was the greatest thing. It was no, It was in your pot. It was in Mojo. It was in Mojo right. Espresso. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and I just fucking, I loved you. Just when I didn't think I could love you more, I got 100. <laughs> I went to 110. Because the way you were able to reach into, and that's exactly what I say, by the way, yeah. the way you were able to get there. But what if the person's just a, like, what if they are? Yeah. Isn't that a possibility, Ben? Yeah, but y- yes, it is. I joke. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to let them interfere in, your, in who you are. So the generous right. assumptions about you, not them. Yeah, 100%. Right, because I felt like I was giving up my power being generous with my assumptions. No, 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 it's just the starting point. Right. You're just not, you're not letting them... It reframes you and you maintain control. And your relationship with that person. Got it. Yeah, you separate it. Yeah. Okay. The generous assumption enables you just to take a breath and step back and go, right, I, rather than me getting angry 
right, getting upset, whatever it is. Okay. okay. What's the most generous assumption I can make by why they did that? And then that unlocks empathy and compassion straight away. So it, a generous doesn't assumption. Abdi- doesn't from, abdicate people's actions. That's what actions, I want to hear. Doesn't abdicate the okay. response. You don't okay. accept, okay. right, if someone's behaving wrongly, right, or right, whatever it is. But just your first step is not to let that interference affect Got it. your sense don't of Don't hand self. over your control. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't think <laughs> badly about that anymore. Oh, God, I laughed so hard in the car and nearly had to pull it over. Oh, no, I hope you funny. fucking die. That was amazing. That's funny. Okay. We're nearly there. Louisa. Hi, Em. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ben. My name's Louisa. I'm from the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Uh, my question is, what strategies do you recommend to help with what looks to be ADHD burnout. I am neurodivergent and I have two neurodivergent children. And honestly, I've been dragging, barely dragging my feet through the last six or eight weeks of this year, completely unmotivated to do anything, almost like my feet are concreted into the ground and I just can't move. What strategies do you recommend to overcome the feelings of burnout or absolutely zero motivation? Thank you so much. Love the pod. Bye. ADHD or not, mental burnout in December especially for, say, the women who may have to do all the Christmas shopping and the mm. Christmas planning and all the school cons, is fucking real, Ben. How do you, please, I'm asking for myself, mm. how do you combat mental burnout? Yeah, and I, can, I can't talk from a neurodivergent perspective. No, but in you general, can, You can just, definitely answer that question a thousand times better than me. But in terms of burnout uh, or in terms of motivation... Because it's the mental. My body's fine. Yeah. My brain... I feel like I can't take literally can't take in any more information this year. Yeah, now, this is on top of the illusion of control mm. and the need for certainty and mm-hmm. the demon of expectations, right? And these mm-hmm. are macro fears beyond getting to Christmas time, and, mm. and everyone goes a bit loopy at Christmas because oh, yeah. it unlocks a sense of family and mm. comparison and mm. shame stories because mm-hmm. they're often bottled up in terms Ooh, of our yeah. childhood and <laughs> should be a time of love and giving. <laughs> it is not. Sometimes goes the other way. Yeah. You know? So, and that's been consistent forever. Um, but yeah, in terms of well, get a sheet of paper and write an acceptance list. I accept dot, dot, dot. Oh. And then just write down a list of all the things that like maybe. Well, accepting that I haven't got it all figured out, accepting that life is really hard right now, right? Accept that. Uh, or you can start with a not accepting. What, what am I not accepting at the moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe flip that and turn it into an acceptance list. Then you can maybe turn it into a self-acceptance list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the things I'm not accepting about myself right now that I can't get to Christmas shopping yet, that I'm super stressed and I don't want to spend Christmas Day on this year, all, all these things, right? Um, and then make it from here on in, this is what I'm going to accept about myself or about the situation of my life, right? Life is difficult. Once you accept that life is difficult, life is no longer that difficult. The power's in the acceptance. We just suck at it mm-hmm. as a human race. So, And maybe then once you write your acceptance list, um, put a line through it and write celebrate, this is what I'm actually going to celebrate about myself, that I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm trying my best. Mm. We have to be kinder and gentler to ourselves mm. first. The number one form of compassion is self-compassion. The number one form of acceptance is self-acceptance. The number one mm. form of love is self-love. We're so freaking hard on ourselves, mm. right? Especially in certain conditions when, again, expectations that I should be the super mom, it's got it all figured out, it's got heaps of energy. No, we're not. We're not white that way. You've three years of a pandemic. When you put all the brutal facts of our reality out on a list, Oof. you go, of course. Yeah. No wonder. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. You're so it, right. It kind of makes sense. But Perspective. If you can... If you Zoom start, out. Yeah. Get, get back into the things you can control. Mm. That's for me right now. There's so much shit we can't control, mm. but we want to control it. And this, at certain conditions of our life, it gets, gets more pronounced, right? especially when we think about the expectations of ourselves or comparing our pudding or presence or whatever mm. it is. So mm. 
again, this is a time for self-compassion more so than it is self-judgment. Mm. I think that's, you know, mm. that's the, I think that's the journey that we all um, have to go on. The biggest life hack is becoming your own best friend. Everything else is easier when you do that. Oh my God, you just fucking store these in your ass. Like, where are you pulling <laughs> <laughs> They're forms of Buddhism. It's They're so not, good. None of it. Say it again, say it again. The biggest life hack is becoming your own best friend. Yep. And everything is easier when you do. So true. Yeah. Be the mate you need. Yeah, totally. And for me with the burnout, burnout means boundaries. i got to put some boundaries in. Yeah. Burnout means I've let the boundaries drop. So getting back to interference, mm-hmm. right? That's what I mean by boundaries. We're letting all these things, Christmas, Correct. we're letting Christmas, we're letting neighbours, yep. we're letting social, we're letting things interfere mm. in who I am, right, fundamentally. So you identify, which is what I mean by what are the things we're not accepting, mm. that, that we can't control them, right? So you identify all those out and then you let them go. Yeah, you can have a ceremonial burning, whatever you want to do, right? That sounds good. You start to let go of all these uncontrollables and you focus back on the things you can control. And you suddenly realise, she is, there's not many things I actually can control in life. I can control the human I want to be. I can Mm. control my intention, how hard I want to work. And I can control the words I say about myself. That's pretty much it. Mm. Everything else is outside of our control. Mm. I can control the goals and dreams I want to put out in the universe, what kind of human I want to be in terms of my purpose. Mm. I've got no control whether I'm going to get there or not. And saying that too, for me this time of year, the thing that's helped me with burnout is just voicing it. I'm sorry, I'd really like to do that, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get to it. Yeah. That sounds like a great project. I just can't commit to it. Correct. Can't give it the energy it deserves. Yeah. But also just simply at home, I don't think mum's going to be able to get that done. You might have to go buy that. Just stuff like that. Finding... Finding ways to let yourself off the hook, be your best mate. Yep. Finding yeah. ways to lessen the stress on yourself, but you do it. Yeah. You actually take responsibility. So I've got all this fucking Christmas shopping to do. It's a week out. What can you do to make that easier for yourself? Yeah. I'll just get everyone a voucher at the petrol station. Kids want cash anyway. These 250 bucks on a Visa card, go. You know, like they're not going to care. Yeah. You're the one who cares about the quality of the present. If my kids all got cash, they'd be fucking wrapped. Mm. I'm the one who wants some weird romanticness attached to a beautiful thought-out gift. They don't care. Yeah. They want to buy what... Do you know what I mean? It's, 100%. Yeah, and the distraction caused by either expectations of the outcome of future... You're trying to control how people view you. Yeah, 100%. I'm even worried about my legacy when I'm dead. So getting back to those words that you you know, you know identified for yourself, whether yeah. it's your three values around yeah. you know courage or love or vulnerability, whether it's your earliest happiest memory words, you know, be happy, playful, carefree, excited, or whether it's the human being words, right? You've done all the exercises. You've got a set of words or mantras that you can draw down on. You show up from that pl- that that place, that person, that's success. What you do with that? Yes. What you do with that is outside of your control. Correct. You've only got so many hours in the week, and everyone's you know burnt out. So. And that answers every question that we have addressed today from our listeners, from me. Kind of. It yeah. answers everything. You yeah. figure out who you are, what your values are. You show up as that person, and then everything else that happens is a bonus. Yeah. And you just let it. You don't assist, you don't resist. Yeah. You just show up in the middle and just... You still dream big. Of course. Right? You still tap into that imagination that you had as a 10-year-old and you dream big and you put them out there because it takes the same amount of mental, mental capacity you keep to moving bigger. towards it you as just, the person you, well, you've... You don't define success whether you get there or not. No. Then in that way, there's no finish line. And that's what purpose is. You know, you'll never actually get there, but that kind of excites the shit out of you, this possibility. And you miss potential. all the tiny wins along the way of the journey. Yeah. 
if you're only tunnel visioned on that one point, yeah, you miss all the tiny. You still little find wins. little ways. Yeah, getting back to how can I be the best part of someone else's day today? Yeah. You just find little ways and little really small wins, mm. not these big wins and expectations of others. These little small wins that kind of that might be the little validation. Take the tiny wins. Yeah, it might be thirty minutes of exercise in the Mate, morning for yourself. Might so. be ten. It might be doing 20 squats while the shower warms up. Yeah. Which is all I can get that. in at the moment. Or a plank. Yeah. yeah I do I, planks. Yeah. So I it's, hate squats. I like, I like planking. I like squats. Yeah. 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 Ben, thank you. I've got, basically got you in a hostage situation now. <laughs> we are done. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for showing up for me in more ways than one. Thank you for being here today. Uh, people can listen to Mojo Espresso everywhere they get a podcast. Also the Mojo app. Yep, Mojo Crow app. Mojo yep. Crow app. You're very wise. And please continue to allow the greater community to access your brain in whatever way. I don't want to hear of you going into private, whatever. I know you're (laughs) retired. I know you can retire, but quite frankly, it would be selfish to keep yourself locked away. So I'm expecting a play centre, a television show, like whatever, and I will be your hype girl if you need someone (laughs) on a DJ deck. I don't know. However I can orbit you, I will. We might need a theme song. Maybe that's what you could could do do for us. I could do that. Oh, no, but I can just be there, whatever. I think we're a good team. Totally. totally. Yeah, we are. And can I say in all all sincerity, um, congratulations on the journey that you're on. Thank you. you. Seriously, to see people lean in to make sense of who who they are um, and separate what they do in the way that you did. That press talk changed so many people's lives. It changed my life as well. So um, encourage you to go on the same journey yourself and keep leaning in. See what happens. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> All right. This is Emsolation. All right, gang. Thank you so much for your questions to everybody, to Kayla, to Abby, to Mel, Louisa. Thank you very much. I loved it. I'm sure you helped a lot of people. We'll be back on Tuesday, regular programming. Michael Lucas and I in studio on Thursday. I'll be rejuvenated, I can tell. I'll be rested. And we're ready to head into a big year three of Emsolation. Year three! Woohoo! New exciting things in store. Hope you enjoyed the last two weeks. I certainly enjoyed making them for you. And uh, we will chat next week. Bye for now. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas and sometimes her eldest daughter, Marcella. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn. With videos by James Henderson. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans, plus cameos from M's dad. Vinci. Get the full Emsolation experience by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you really want to help us out, you could become a patron of Emsolation. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a five-star rating and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by actually hitting the follow button. As always, thanks for listening. And we're excited to chat with you again soon. Mm-hmm.